When I was a, a kid, my folks would often uh, get me and my brother and load us up in the car and say, we're going on a trip. And it would usually be just a day trip, and it was always a little bit scary because we wouldn't know where we're going. So we get in the car, and I'd say, where are we going? Because you have to understand, I grew up in Dalhart, Texas, which is near nothing. And so a day trip in Dalhart could mean, you know, two or three, four hours in the car, you know, waiting to get wherever we were going. Uh, there's not much around us. And, of course, we'd ask that question. And it's, a good, it's a good question when you're facing a couple hours in the car. Where are we going? Uh, and, in fact, this last week, uh, our family, we took a, a road trip. We went to uh, Oklahoma. We went specifically Stillwater to go visit Oklahoma State University because my daughter is now a junior and she's starting to make these college campus tours and she's looking at four or five universities and that was one of them so we decided to take a trip up to OSU uh, over spring break so we wouldn't have to miss work it's a little bit further away and and but we on this trip we took a couple of side trips in Oklahoma City and uh we went to, first, to the American Banjo Museum. And you can bet that that begged the question for my kids, where are we going? And, and we also went to the National Memorial where the bombing took place, or the, the Murray, uh, federal building. We went to that as well to see that. I'd never been there before. I'd never seen the, the memorial. And if you've seen it, you know it has the, the chairs, uh, and it's a beautiful park area. And of course... After you answer the where question uh, about where you're going, it's usually followed up with the why. Why are we going there? And, and, and we had two very different why answers for the Banjo Museum and the memorial. The, the first for the Banjo Museum, why are we going? It's a banjo museum. We've never, I've never been to a banjo museum before. Why not? And, and for the memorial, it was a very different why. Uh, both of my kids weren't born when, when that bomb went off in 95 and, and destroyed the federal building there. But, but I wanted to, them to see it and get a glimpse of it and to learn a little bit of history. And, and so we, we went on this journey. And, and we've been on a journey now in the Gospel of Mark for the past couple of weeks. And Mark is taking us on a journey as we look at this divine mystery of who, who Jesus is. And today, as, as you can guess, we're, we're asking the question, where are we going? Where are we going? And next week, Charlie is going to uh, uh, answer the question, why? The why question. And of course, embedded in the where question, we'll catch glimpses of the why along the journey, along, on, along the way. So let's return to our scripture in Mark chapter 1. We, we re read this early in the morning, still very dark. Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for them. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. And he answered, Let us go to the neighboring town so that I might proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of Mark is like a travel diary of Jesus. And as I told you a couple weeks ago, the book itself can be divided into three main divisions. If you're here, maybe you remember that. The first section is Jesus in Galilee. 
his time in Galilee. The second major section is Jesus on the way to Jerusalem. And the third section is Jesus in Jerusalem. And you can see those divisions in the, in the diagram up there. Have a small prologue and then you can see Jesus in Galilee for eight chapters. Jesus on the way uh, to Jerusalem for a couple of chapters. And then Jesus in Jerusalem for the remainder of the text. And it's in this travel diary of Jesus that we begin to see the why. Just like when we told our kids and when we took our kids to the, the memorial, we had to explain it to them on the way because, you know, again, they weren't born when this happened. So we were explaining why, where we were going and the why on, on the way. And, and they kind of got it as we were going along. But, but it begins to make more sense when you actually get there and when you visit it, when you see it. Uh, it's the same with this journey with Jesus. He's taking us on a journey, and we see him talking about where he is headed. But it, sometimes it doesn't really sink in until you get there. You're like, oh, that's, that's what we're doing. So for eight chapters, we see Jesus hanging out in the region of Galilee before he begins to head to Jerusalem. And this travel diary spends 10 chapters, the first 10 chapters, on about three years, we think, of Jesus' life. And six chapters, the last six chapters, are devoted to Jesus' final week on earth in Jerusalem. It's pretty lopsided, if you think about it. About a third of the whole book details one week of Jesus' life. The book is building to Jerusalem. We're building to, we're headed to Jerusalem. But we see that Jesus is intentional about spending as much time as he can not in Jerusalem, but in Galilee. Most of Jesus' life was spent in Galilee. He intentional, intentionally traveled throughout this region. He hung out with, with the common everyday people. Uh, and, and this was where he was most at home, in the region of Galilee. And so I, I have a map here of Israel. And you can see the, the, the Sea of Galilee right there. And there's some listing of towns all around that sea. And that's where... He would spend most of his life crisscrossing back and forth but, uh, through this region uh, of Galilee in these small towns and fishing villages, places we know of in the Bible like Nazareth and Capernaum and the region of the Gerasenes and Bethsaida and Genesaret and Tyre and Sidon and the region of the Decapolis. These are the places that are listed in Scripture. And it says he also visited many other small little villages as well that aren't even listed. Uh, this is where he hung out. Jesus was most at home there, around that sea area. Where's Jerusalem? Jerusalem's not even on the map. It's below the map, maybe about a foot. That's where Jerusalem is, just so you can kind of get in your, in your head where this is taking place. You know, most of us, we hear these names, Capernaum, Nazareth, and and. These are places we don't have a feel for unless we've actually been there. It's hard for us to get, a, get an idea or a picture of what this region is like. So I want us to use our holy imagination for just a moment. Okay, you ready? Imagine with me for a moment that Jesus didn't show up in Israel, but Texas. Yeah? He's showing up in Texas instead of Israel. So if Jesus showed up in Texas, Jesus would have hung out in places like Nazareth, Texas. 
He would have hung out in places like Derazette. He would have hung out in places like Wheeler or Farnsworth or Higgins or Lasbuddy or Bovina or Turkey Kittaquay or Texline. That's what these little villages around Galilee were like. It's these out-of-the-way places that, that no one goes to unless you have family there or you're lost or you're traveling through. That's where Jesus spent his time. He spent his time with, with people that others could care less really about. That's where he spent his time offering hope and purpose in the everyday walk of life. Where are we going? As I said last week, it was in these areas, in these little backwater towns, where Jesus did most of his miracles, his healing, casting out of demons, commanding nature. But even more than that, it is on this journey that we get to see Jesus interact with common everyday people like you and I, where we see Jesus interacts with his disciples, where he interacts with the religious leaders, where he even interacts with demons. We get to peek into the everyday life of Jesus. And it is in this journey that we begin to get a better picture of why Jesus is going to Jerusalem. We get to see a clearer picture of his purpose. Where are we going? It's the question we seek answers to. And it's the question I'm going to ask you later as well. And you see, for Jesus, where we are going is important. And how we get there is important too. You know, for most of us, we have great dreams and ideas about what our life is going to look like. And, and we have great hopes. And, and, and when we think about our country, you know, one of the things we, we, we pray about is, is the healing of our nation. And, and many times we think to ourselves, if only I knew someone in power... We, and, and I could bend their ear, we could make a, an impact on those people, then we could do something. But see, this isn't, this isn't how Jesus did it. He, he didn't seek out those in power to transform the world. Where did he spend his time? In those little small villages with everyday people? With those society deemed not important? Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus held audience with all the major players in the area. But they came to him. He didn't go to them. He hung out with the everyday people. You know, it, it was the same with John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. You know, Wesley knew leaders. He, he knew all those who were in, in high society. But he spent his time transforming the lives of coal miners, of those who are in prison for those who were poor. And he transformed their lives in order to transform the landscape of England. He started at the bottom, not at the top. It's very biblical because that's what Jesus did. He started with the everyday people. And as we travel with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, we see often that people around him don't quite know where they're going or their purpose in going. They see the world one way, and Jesus sees it very differently. 
And it is in this journey that Jesus is trying to transform the lives of his disciples and those people around him so that they can see with his eyes. But they have a hard time seeing with his eyes. They don't get it. They're like everyone else, and they're saying, there's a reason why we're going to Jerusalem, and it looks very different than what Jesus is saying or showing them. And, And he is training them for discipleship in ways that they are not used to. And they have to learn some hard lessons. And so I want to share with you two interactions we see in Mark. There's many others as well that kind of highlight these differences and shed light on this clash of ideas about where Jesus is going. This first interaction takes place in chapter 8 of Mark. And it's this interaction Jesus has with the religious leaders. And we read this, Mark 8, 11 and 12. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, asking him for a sign from heaven. To test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. I don't know about you, but I like signs. I want a sign from God. How about you? Yeah? Yeah. I think we're all the same there. We would like a sign from God. Yet God tell us what to do. We all would like a sign from God. So, so why is Jesus so upset with these Pharisees, this, these religious leaders, for their demand for a sign? Let, let's just step back for a moment and ask the question. What has Jesus been doing for the first eight chapters in the Gospel of Mark? All the signs. All right, what has he done? He's healed the sick. He's cast out demons. In fact, right before this interaction, he fed 4,000 Gentiles. Jesus, show us a sign. We want a sign. Do they want a sign? No. They don't want a sign. Because they have already decided in their heart that they're not going to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what he did. He could heal someone. Cast out a demon, raise a girl from the dead, feed 4,000, they're not going to believe. They don't want to have faith. They're not open to faith. They're just looking for ways to discredit him and try to trip him up in what he is trying to do. They have no interest in the truth. They've already made up their mind. Have you ever argued with someone like that before? In fact, there's this great little video on Facebook that I've seen lately. It, it, it makes me laugh. It's, it, it's a fun little video. Let's, let's watch. Two, three, four. No, one, two, three, four, five. No, no it's one, two, three, four, five. No, it's one, two, three, four, five. No, that's one, two, three, five. No, it's not one, two, three, four, five. No, that's one, two, three, five. How, how you going to tell me? How you gonna tell me? I teach this every day. It's one, two, three, four, five. No, it's one, two, three, five. No, it's not, Aaliyah. It's one, two, three, four, five. No, it's one, two, three, five. No, sweetie, it's one, two, three, four. No, it's one, two, three, five. No, no, it's one, two. Three, four, five. No, that's one, two, three, five. <laughs> Aaliyah, it's one, two, three, four. No, mommy, that's one, two, three, five. No, no you're skipping four. <laughs> you're skipping four. You can't just leave four out. It's one, two, three, four, five. No, that's one, two, three, five. No, 
No, that's not right. It's one, two, three, four, five. No, that's one, two, three, five. Aaliyah, I'm not gonna keep going back and forth with you. It's one, two, three, four, five. five. Yeah. Yeah. Count one, two, three, five. <laughs> See, the Pharisees were just like that little girl. But although it's cute and funny with her, with the Pharisees, with the religious leaders, it was dangerous. It was destructive because they didn't want to have faith. They would not yield to Jesus' view of discipleship training about the kingdom. They did not want to go where Jesus is leading them. They have missed the point in the journey. Why were the Israelites the chosen people? You remember, let's, let's take a step back again from Mark and just look at all of this. Why did God choose the Israelites? He said, I'm going to bless you to be what? What's the word? A blessing. I will bless you to be a blessing. That's why the Israelites were chosen. They were blessed to be a blessing. Now, they wanted the blessed part, right? We all want that. Yeah, bless us, God. We want to be blessed. And, and they wanted to bless others, but only those that they chose. Only the people that looked like them. Only the people that agreed completely with them. They didn't want to be a blessing to everyone, to the whole world. But, but Jesus is showing them that, yes, you're to be a blessing even to those people in Galilee, even to those people in text line. Yeah, you're to be a blessing even to the Gentiles. See, they needed to journey where Jesus was taking them, a journey that looks very different from the world's journey. The second interaction that I want to highlight is, is Jesus talking with the disciples, and this takes place in chapter 9 of Mark. And we read these words. Then they came to Capernaum, and when Jesus was in the house, Jesus asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another, Who was the greatest? He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. You see, from town to town, Jesus has been taking them on a journey. And here they have arrived again in Capernaum, a place they often went to. And the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. You see, the disciples think that this journey to Jerusalem is leading to a very different place than what Jesus thinks. From what Jesus has been showing them the whole way. They are having a hard time seeing the real purpose of the journey. Even though Jesus is continually telling them and showing them what this journey means. If you want to be first then you have to be last of all and servant of all. Where are we going? That's the question. Where are we going? Jesus has been telling them, but, but they can't hear. 
Let me tell you where we're going. You ready? This is where we're going. We're going to the cross. You want to know where we're going? That's where we're headed. We're headed to the cross. Not just Jesus. Us. Wait, God, that's not really what I signed up for. I thought I was going to Jerusalem so that you would be Messiah, so that we would be sitting on thrones, so we could see who sat on your left and right, and we would be in power. No, no, no. It's not where we're headed. We're headed to the cross. I'm sorry if someone told you differently. I'm sorry if you thought Christianity was something else. I'm letting you know right now it's not. You were blessed to be a blessing to the world. We're going to the cross. This is the journey we are on. It is a journey to die to self and to live for the kingdom. So my question for you is, where are you going? What journey are you on? Does it look like the journey that Jesus has marked out for us? Are you going with Jesus? Because how we get there matters. Too often we forget that. How we get there matters. In our everyday interactions with people, it matters. We make an impact on people, good or bad. You know, we, we want to dress up and act in our best behavior when we sit before leaders. But Jesus said, no, 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 how are you going to act with the commoners? With those people who look different than you? With those people that annoy you? Those people that smell different than you? That don't speak the same way as you? That's where we're journeying. That's where we're headed. Let's pray.